do you know that you have an amazing team around you, but wish that you could see some sort of playbook, some sort of actionable items that would help you understand exactly what you needed to do to help them perform at the highest level? Well, the good news is we've got a free download for you to help you understand just that. If you go to theemployerblueprint.com forward slash great leaders, we've got a free download that we've set up for you that just talks through the the four principles that great leaders use to uh, lead high-performing teams and ultimately create more loyalty in your business. So go check that out. It's absolutely free, and you can find it at theemployerblueprint.com. <laughs> Welcome to the Employer Blueprint Podcast, where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. Sometimes it's just nice to know that you aren't alone. As we travel this kind of wild and crazy journey in business, uh, we're trying to build uh, a great organization. We're trying to take care of our employees and our staff. Uh, We're trying to balance that with time with our spouse and raising a family and actually figure out somehow in all of that uh, to kind of invest in ourselves and spend some time doing things that we enjoy and and, uh, participating in the hobbies that we enjoy. And it's easy to feel like we're the only ones doing these things. And uh, today's guest, Lee Rust, comes to us from Australia. And even uh, from halfway around the world from where I am, uh, is dealing with the same things. And on today's episode, we really don't dive into a specific topic as much as we just share uh, his journey, what that's looked like, and and, uh, sort of the, the tips and tricks that he's recognized and created to help him reach the success that he's at right now and uh, to help him navigate this journey that he's been along. And I think it's great just to hear uh, that we all have so many similarities in the things that we deal with on a regular basis. So I really think you're going to enjoy today's episode. Lee has some great insights and some wonderful wisdom to share. As always, uh, I I would encourage you if you have any questions uh, or if there's any topics you'd like to hear more about, you can reach out to us through email at podcast at employerblueprint.com. And also, I want to encourage you right now to go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Go ahead and And just hit that subscribe button and make sure you leave us a review. Tell your friends about us so we can continue to expand the market and tell more people about these great things that are happening. Uh, Thanks so much. Enjoy this week's episode of the Employer Blueprint Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Employer Blueprint Podcast and uh, excited uh, to bring Lee Rust with us, who's had some really tremendous experience um, uh, kind of navigating his way through through family business, but then going out on his own and, and uh, being able to grow that as well and uh, sort of the, the secrets of being able to build a business the way that he has and certainly trying to balance out um, family and work and, and uh, all of the, the juggling that we have in life. So, Lee, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you for taking the time. And um, as we get started here, why don't you sort of walk us through your history and experience and just catch us up to where you are now? 
Oh, well, first of all, thanks for having me here today. Um, excited to be here. But yeah, so I'm Lee Rust. Uh, I'm the founder and director of Safety Line Jalousy. So we are a high performance louver window system. Um, but my story starts a, a little while back. Um, my father owns a quite a successful company called Vergola, which is an opening and closing roof system. And growing up, I sort of always uh, saw myself working in my father's business, you know, being my father is always a bit of a little bit of a hero of mine, you know, as most sort of fathers generally are. Yeah. And my sort of path was always set out. I was just going to finish school, work for dad, work my way up and, mm-hmm. you know, take over the, the family business. Um, but it sort of wasn't to be. I left school, went and saw dad and I said, so where do we start? He said, you go and get a job. <laughs> I said, but what do you mean? Yeah. He said, you got to go get a job, go get a trade or do something. I was at the time, I was like, oh, he's kidding himself. This, this can't be right. So anyway, he was, he was certain on that. So I went out and became a mechanic. Uh, started an apprenticeship, did that for a few years. Didn't really like it. Didn't like getting greasy and dirty all day long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, I did love cars, but as a lot of people will know, mechanics and loving cars is not the same thing. Two different things. So, yeah. <laughs> did that for a few years, um, then went back to dad and said, Okay, I've done my trade. Now can I come and work for you? And he said, yeah, you can work for me. Go, go and ask the factory manager for a job. See what he's got for you. Mm. So I went down there and the factory manager said, yeah, you can sweep floors. So I thought this is a bit of a stitch up, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just suck it up and let's do it. So I started sweeping floors and about a year in, I was still pretty much, you know, down on the general duties type role. Then um, I started progressing into the manufacturing, you know, uh, creating welding positions, truck driving positions, went out building. So this was a period of maybe close to 10 years. Yeah, uh, I worked my way up through the company, uh, got into sort of commercial sales. And just one day sort of something hit me. I realized that this is my dad's business. This will always be my dad's business. Mm. And this is, it's already created and it's already done. And I, I didn't feel that self, self-satisfaction really in knowing that I was just taking over a business and I wanted to do something for myself. And that's where the sort of, I guess, the investigation started of what can I do? What can I build? What can I create? Mm-hmm. And we sort of stumbled. Um, we're in Adelaide of all places in, in Australia. And we saw there was a French guy there and he had, he was doing a project with these louver windows. And he was, we just sort of by chance were talking and met him and we sort of, thought this product, we had a little look around the market, it was a bit of a niche product and there was a massive sort of hole in the market for something that performed as well as this product. So we went over to France, met the team in France, came back, did some more considerations and then brought the product out in a very small, very small scale at the start. And basically that's how, how we began. So mm. that's nice. yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of so my when, little story. When did you get the, when did you uh, launch the company? So we've been in business 10 years this year. So this is our, our 10th year. Wow. Congrats. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a quite an uh, iconic year for us. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about uh, what that's been like over the last 10 years, sort of business growth and, and some of the things that you've experienced through that process. So, yeah, initially in the early stages, we, I guess, being into a new market, like we've always been in the construction sector, but this mm-hmm. product is... The Vergola business is quite residential focused mm-hmm. where the product we have now, the Jalousy system, is definitely more of a commercial system. Mm-hmm. 
but in the start we didn't know that so we followed the residential the residential market and it was yeah. definitely wrong so for two years we sort of were banging our head against the walls thinking why aren't we getting traction we know we've got a good product but mm-hmm. it's just not working yeah. so we sort of had to learn quickly and on our feet to start to adapt so we tried the residential market and then we looked at some of the big competitors around what they were doing mm-hmm. um, and they sort of followed a fabricator model but to us we so again we adapted and tried to follow this fabricator model and again we hit barrier upon barrier and realized this definitely isn't where we, where we need to be yeah and um, then we realized that the architecturally specified market lended itself towards this product being architects, developers, builders, commercial projects. Mm -hmm. So we sort of teetered on the edge of that path. And then it was just sort of like a light bulb moment, maybe four years in that, Mm -hmm. okay, this is a market. We started to get some traction with a lot of education projects with schools. Yeah. Um, The Australian government had a program called um, the Building the Education Revolution. Uh So they invested a lot of money in schools and we sort of – we started to get a lot of inquiry and a lot of interest in schools and then we sort of started to channel our focus into obviously the area that's creating revenue. So right. that's, that's where we went down. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great idea. Um, you know, what I, what I really like about that too is <clears throat> the tendency uh, is I know I've got a great product, but I'm hitting barriers. I'm hitting wall after wall. Maybe the market's not ready for us. Maybe this isn't right. Maybe we don't have the right thing. Um, and, and that persistence, you know, it's, it's so nice to see that persistence paid off. Um, you know, we, we know all of the statistics and we hear about, uh, you know, how often small businesses fail. Um, and oftentimes, I believe one of the reasons is because as they hit those walls, they say, hey, this isn't working. We've just got to stop. So I, I love whenever you hear a story like this and, you know, that persistence pays off and seeing well, it's not right for this market. Is it right for that market? Well, then is it right for this market? And how do we adapt? You know, to your point, the product um, uh, at its foundation is any different than it was 10 years ago. But how you're taking that product to market, who you are marketing it to, the way that you are, are putting that in place is different. But you've known all along, you've got a great product. So that perseverance um, is... Uh, you know, very valuable for people to hear and understand that, you know, 10 years later, as you've done so well, uh, I would imagine there were times in those first two or three or four years that you said, what the, what the heck are we doing? <laughs> and why do we, why do we keep doing this? Maybe we've got the wrong idea. We need to try something different. Oh, there was m- many times where I said, no, this is just this, you know, this is not going to work, but there's just something, I think it's a personal thing as well. Like failure is just not an option. Right. And I think being, just so driven and motivated that I just, and the product was good. Like it, it, yeah. it's mathematically, undeniably, performance-wise, it's, it's, there's nothing like it. So it had to work. Yeah. It was just yeah. a matter of keeping uh, pushing and pushing. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, my dad's always said to me, he said, there's a, a thing in life, son, it's called stickability. <laughs> I said, <laughs> what's stickability? He said, you just got to stick to it. He said, if you, know, if you know it's good, he said, most people will give up. They'll get to 90% of a business and they stop. Yeah. And he says those people that push that 10% are the ones that are successful. And I've always had that in the back of my mind that yeah. just keep 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 going and stickability, stickability. <laughs> That's great advice. So, great advice. And so yeah, true. it was. <clears throat> so, um you know that that really uh, that's a great point and kind of what's what's led to so much of the success that you've had over the last few years as you've built this business 
Um, what other lessons have you learned that you would say maybe are some keys to that success? What are some um, some attributes that you've learned that you'd say, you know, without these things, we probably would not have been successful? Um, one of the major things is learning that people say you can't or, mm-hmm. or no, that's too hard. But I believe you just have to keep pushing. Like no doesn't mean no. You just need to look for something else. Right. If, a, if a roadblock comes up, you just need to have the determination to go around that roadblock or find another path because in business, every day there's a roadblock or someone telling you you can't or no or this legislation says you can't do this. But you can change legislation. Like if you need to do something, you can do it. Right. So I think right. number one lesson is if you believe in this, if what you're doing, whatever it may be, keep mm-hmm. pushing. Find another solution. Don't right. take. Don't sit on your hands and take no. That doesn't. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not that's not okay. Right. So I think, I think, yeah. Well, you know, and that, that brings up another point too. Um, you know, oftentimes as entrepreneurs, you, you get stuck around, you know, potentially two different types of people. Um, one is those that for whatever reasons they have want to tell you, no, 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 this can't work. This can't work. This can't work. The other one that you risk is being around people that say, oh, that's a great idea. Great idea. You should do this. You should do this, even though it's maybe not a good idea. Um, and so finding that balance of people that can tell you the truth, uh, mm-hmm. whether that be, Hey, the truth is this is good, but this part's not good. Or the truth is, no, this really isn't good. And you can trust them. Have you had any experience with that? And just trying to balance out, like, how do I, how, how do I shield myself from the people that maybe are constantly discouraging me from doing the things that I know I can do versus making sure that I'm surrounding myself that can be truthfully encouraging without um, kind of going overboard to say, well, every idea is great. And then I end up falling on my face constantly. Yeah, I have had that sort of experience actually, but I guess what I always lean back to is some sort of older mentors that I try and try and surround myself with, like my father, my uncle, mm-hmm. um, just these other people that sort of, they've seen it, they've done it. And I can sort of come to them with ideas where I might've spoken to sort of peers where they're like, yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. But there's that little inkling inside you that says, mm, maybe it's not the right idea. And I sort of lean on my dad or my uncle or some of those older people that I have around me who are, you know, they've, they've been there, they've done that and they've got that black and white experience. And they say, well, have you considered this? And have you considered that? So they, they don't tell me no or yes, but they just give me a different insight to say, what about this or what about the financial risk for that? Mm-hmm. So I think it's just having those, the balance of people around you. You've got the people that try and pump up your tires all the time and tell you you're amazing mm-hmm. and the people that tell you you can never do it. Um, but you need those people that, I guess, that for one, really believe in you and trust in you and then you trust in them. They're not going to give you that wrong advice. And I think the biggest thing for me is gut instinct. If it doesn't feel right, I don't care how good it looks on paper, I won't do it. Well, that is a great point too. With as much as we want to depend on facts and data, sometimes we do have to trust our instinct and we have to understand uh, that whatever experiences we've had in the past may be helping us understand something that's happening now so that we can make a decision based on sort of that gut feeling. And having wise people around us isn't necessarily about deflating us or telling us no. It's really about gaining wisdom based on their experiences. And I think that's where a lot of wisdom is gained by those mentors that we have around us. Um, it's not that they 
not that they tell us how to do it, but they, but they give us the tools to help us figure out how to do those things. And, yeah, um, sure. and by doing that, we're able to learn so that next time we understand what tools we need to accomplish, uh, these, you know, sometimes fairly lofty goals. Yes. Um, <clears throat> something else I want to talk to you about, uh, you have, um, you have three kids, correct? Correct. All right. Yeah. So running a business, uh, doing everything that you're doing with that and, uh, balancing that with family life and three kids. How does that look? How do you, uh, what are some tips to help make that happen? Yeah, it's funny. It's a, it's always a struggle. You know, there's, there's two parts to me. You know, one part of me just wants to, you know, grow this business and, but the father inside me, I just want to be at home with my kids. So it's a yeah. constant battle of, you know, where do I need to be? Um, but wherever you are, I guess you need to be present in that situation. So if I'm, if I'm at work, I want to be at work. And right. if I'm at home, I put my phone in the drawer and I'm at home. I want to be with my kids. But it was sort of wasn't always um, that simple. It was at the start of growing a business, I was you know very, very invested in the business. And I had young children and I, was, I felt like I was missing out a bit. And I, it's funny, I, again, it goes back to the mentor thing. Mm-hmm. I, I met a... a a sort of an older man at this event and he said, oh, you're you know, doing so well in your business and do you have a family? I said, yeah, I've got young kids. He said, hmm. my biggest regret was not spending enough time at home growing my business. He said, now my kids are old and I've still got my business, but I can never get that time back with my children. Hmm. And it's always sort of sat in my head. So, yeah. you know, if I'm sitting here at the office and it's getting, you know, five o'clock and I know it's going to be dinner time soon, I'm, I'm generally now just, I just shut the computer and get up and leave and go mm-hmm. home because... Yeah. Emails will be here tomorrow morning, but my kids growing, they don't stop growing, but the emails will. So yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, for me, the last couple of years has really been just separating and, you know, work when work is done and I need to go home, I just go home. And when I'm at home, I'm trying to be as present as possible, you know, mm-hmm. phone away. I'm there, there with my kids. So yeah, yeah, I think that's, you know, uh, something that you said there, I think is really, uh, wise is being in the moment that you're in. And uh, I think a lot of people struggle with that. And I'd say, you know, especially business leaders, entrepreneurs, we tend to be thinking about uh, what's next, what else we need to be doing, what the next step is, what's the next stage, what's the next goal. And, uh, and so that trickles down into even a day by day process and a moment by moment where, um, you know, I'm, I'm in this moment and I'm sitting in a business meeting and I'm talking to someone, but I'm thinking about the next meeting or I'm thinking about, um, you know, something I'm doing uh, when the kids get out of school. I'm thinking about something that my spouse and I are doing this weekend because, you know, I'm looking forward to that. And yet, whenever I'm in that moment, I'm thinking about this meeting that I've got tomorrow or this meeting that I had earlier today and how I should have handled that differently and this email that I've, I need to figure out how I'm going to respond to it. And um, being able to live in the moment is a... Uh, that's a that's 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 really uh, wise advice for people to understand. I don't know that all of us are necessarily that great at being able to do that. But to your point, um, those emails are going to continue to grow. That's something that's going to continue to happen. And being able to live in that moment, enjoy the moment, enjoy that time. I, I use the word intentional a lot, and um, you know, being intentional about that time. That I'm at work, I'm going to go 100 percent while I'm here. But mm. now I'm at home. And this is 100% now. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's some really great advice for people to hear. Yeah, I always try and uh, sort of, there's this little saying I like to say, you know, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift. 
That's why it's called the present. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so true. So, uh, you know, something else, uh, I know you've got a, you live a pretty active lifestyle uh, outside of business and, and family, um, again, trying to balance those things. But I guess even, even beyond the balance, um, one of the things that can become challenging, especially in the stage you've been over the last 10 years in growing your business, is figuring out how to prioritize and juggle these tasks and um, uh, I actually was just having a conversation with somebody earlier today that was talking about, um, you know, we tend to get overwhelmed and we forget to kind of invest in ourselves and take that time to uh, to participate in the activities that rejuvenate us. Um, and and especially in the stages of life that you're in and that I'm in, you know, we've got business and then we've got family and and then trying to find ways to to balance these other things. What have you found has really kind of helped work for you to still kind of keep some sort of personal identity um, and enjoy the hobbies that you enjoy while being intentional with work and with family? I think it's, it comes back to being like present again, but also being organized. So my day starts now. I get up at 4.30 in the morning. I'm at the gym by 5. I train from 5 to 6. Uh, from 6 to around 7, I do some meditation and some reflection and some journaling. Um, I go and have some, yeah, some nice breakfast and a coffee, and then I get home by seven, seven-ish, and I'm sort of ready to to start the day with the family, and I'll do you know, family for a few hours, and then then off to the office. So I think it's just structuring those blocks. Is that you know this this time in the morning? Obviously, I'm not affecting my family or my business, so right. that's my time. So I get up early, and I have these sort of three. Block is my block. The second block is a family. Third block is work. Fourth block is family in the afternoon again. And then yeah. if I can finally get the kids to sleep, there'll be a fifth block where it's a bit of my my time, my <laughs> wife's time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but I, I think like it's that. just about. Um, I find with myself personally, if I'm not active and energetic and doing setting myself personal goals, I find it filters down through my family and my business, and I'm not at my best for them either. Yeah, so me yeah. putting priority on myself might seem selfish, but it's actually better for everyone else around me. Right. So, yeah. yeah. No, and I agree with that. I think that's something that we don't do a great job of is investing in ourselves, um, you know, uh, personally, professionally. I mean, even even in, you know, spending time with with mentors or uh, spending time, um, you know, in, in journaling, spending time in reflection, spending time in uh, leadership and business books and other resources to try to figure out what can I do better? What can I tweak? What can I improve on? Um, you know the the uh, the ROI on investing in ourselves is really really high, uh, but we tend to fail to, to to do that piece of it. So I like I like what you're doing there and kind of sharing that with others. Sort of creating these blocks and knowing whenever mm-hmm. I'm in this moment, this is the moment that I'm going to be in, and this is the time that I have for that. Um, but but making sure that you're you know sort of starting with yourself and making sure that you are setting a good foundation for the rest of the day so that you can be in those moments throughout the day. Yeah, uh, I think it's really good. That's- I think it's really important too to show, obviously, I want to show my children that, you know, health, fitness, show them an active lifestyle and, you know, lead them down the right path so it sets, a, sets them up for their own blocks or their own standards in life and they can look right. back at me and say my father was, you know, active, he was driven, he was, you know, all these, all these things I want to instill in them. There's no better thing than a mirror for them to, you know, 
if they, if they see it, they will do it. So that's, right. that's what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. They're always going to reflect, always going to reflect. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Lee, uh, you know, as you've gone through this, uh, this journey over the last several years and been able to build the business up, you know, we talked about uh, mentors that you've had and, and uh, what you've been able to gain from that. Are, are there other resources out there that maybe you've experienced, whether it's you know, certain books or authors or blogs or podcasts, whatever, but just certain resources that you're able to go to, uh, to help you better understand, um, um, uh, not, not necessarily for you to understand, but that have helped you along the way that you might advise others like, Hey, these are good things that you should check out or things that have really helped shape who I am and the success that I've had. Yeah. Well, there's a, a program I actually just recently completed. It's called the rising Kings program. Mm-hmm. So it's a, to sort of a a mentor program for middle-aged sort of males with families and businesses. Mm-hmm. And it works a lot about, you know, going back to getting you right, you know, reflection. Yeah. You can't go forward without looking backwards, mm-hmm. but staying in the present moment. And sort of just, it really helped me sort of set up some structures in my life that have, are going to help me go forward further. Um, and it's it's a good accountability thing. So once you do this program, it's sort of a 12-week program, but once you've finished, you're always in the program so that you're always accountable. You can always, they have a weekly meeting, so we jump on and we all have a roundtable discussion about you know, what issues you're having. And this is, so this is guys all around the country. We just jump on a Zoom meeting. Yeah. Um, and I've found the program really helpful just to keep me in check with the things that I say mm-hmm. and to make sure that I'm actually doing the things that I say. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. a group of men, you know, like us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you do the wrong thing or if, you, if you're letting yourself down, they let you know about it. They give you a bit of a kick in the ass and say, hey, get back on track. This is what you said you wanted to do. So they make you accountable for your own words. So that program has been really good. And that's the Rising Kings program. Yeah, that's good. Um, good. Yeah. And then just obviously my father and my uncle, you know, yeah. monthly chats and catch catch ups and things and yeah um i'm always reading like different different blogs or different articles and um you know like the there's a book called sun Tzu, the art of war i'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of you probably heard or know about it and mm-hmm. but little just little paragraphs from that are just they just help keep you in check um yeah yeah so yeah. Very good. Well, um, before we head out, uh, tell us how can we stay connected to you, kind of learn about uh, what you are out there doing and, and the impact that you're having. Yeah, well, you can obviously jump on my LinkedIn. So it's Lee Rust. Um, and then my, my company website is safetylinejalousy.com.au. So jump on there. It's a bit of a mouthful, but... Um, <laughs> Hopefully you can find it. If not, I'm sure there'll be some some links down here somewhere. Yes, yeah, we will put links to those in the show notes, including uh, the link to your uh, LinkedIn profile. So for those that want to connect and maybe ask you questions or just kind of follow and see what you're up to, to give them an opportunity to do that. Uh, Lee, thank you so much. I, I enjoyed it. Great conversation, and um, just enjoy learning. I'll tell you one of the things that I really find so interesting about conversations like this, you know, as we had shared, uh, I think before we started recording, you know, you're uh, uh, in Australia and and I'm in uh, Kentucky and so many things are just universal, you know, halfway around the world, but um, so many things are universal just to the way that we operate, the way that we think, the way that business gets done, the way that relationships get built. And, uh, and I think that's a valuable lesson for people to understand wherever they're listening to around the world, that certain things are just universal.
So thank you so much for sharing with us today. We're all the same. So Very much <laughs> thank the same. You. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for your time today. It's it fantastic having you chat. Thanks for joining us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit employerblueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit kylegorman.com. And until next time, make it a great day. The Employer Blueprint Podcast is produced by Just You Marketing. Also want to remind you to hit subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. And if you are needing some management coaching, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at info at employerblueprint.com.